Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Rodan Podcast. Stay tuned to hear all things LFC. Mella, lovely cushion header for Gerard! Oh, you beauty! What a hit, son! What a hit! Liverpool 3-0. Call it, take it quickly, Origi! Yeah! Unbelievable! Salah took it, rolled it up here for Nunez! Hi everyone and welcome to Season 3 of the Road End Podcast. Today I'm joined by former boxer and now coach, Stephen Swifty-Smith. Stephen, welcome to the pod, mate. How are you? Not too bad, mate. Thank you. Yourself? Yeah, good, good. Like I've just said there, just on my first game of five side. In God knows how long, mate, and my heart's pounded up. <laughs> right. I went for a run myself last night on a 40-minute run. First time in a long time. Make me legs a little bit sore today, so I feel your pain. <laughs> Let's start with your amateur days then. I know you box with a couple of people who I know, um, Ray Jochens and Paul Jamo. Um, yeah. I work with Paul, work with Paul for years and always talking about you. Um Jamo. Yeah. I, I still don't know why you never went and cracked on, but the accountancy took over by the looks of it. Yeah, do you know what? He was talented as well. Um you know, national champion. I boxed for England also with him, you know, as well as yeah. sort of coming across. We met in the championships. We were both quite quite light for the weight. We were only like small and we both come across the same weight. And Jamo was in school with all my mates in Campion. I went to Archbishop Beck, but a lot of my mates from Primary went to, to Campion. So it was a bit of a um, local derby, shall we say. He was in the transport. I was in the Rotunda and, you know, really good memories. Um, top fighter, as I say, it was a good, it was a good win for myself and, Again, we went on years later. I won the title a couple of weights up, and he'd stayed at, at, at the, the 48 lights of weight. And um, he was national champion himself then. And we both boxed for England together and won the Four Nations together. So, really good memories. Well, speaking of your memories, then from amateur days, 150, <laughs> over 150 amateur fights. Um, people don't realize, like, don't get me wrong, I, I haven't fought. I wouldn't say, I don't know, I didn't box from when I was about 14 onwards. But yeah. going back in them days, I don't think people understand how hard it is in the amateur because obviously the decisions are a bit questionable at times. 
Yeah. Um, how did you find the amateurs compared to the pro? Like, obviously, it's a big yeah. transition, isn't it? It's totally different. Like, well, yeah. I thought anyway. The transition's massive to what it is nowadays in terms of, and that's not like feeling sorry for for, for our generation. It's just we 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 play like you know we we fought in a style which was four twos, and it was sort of a very fencing system with computer scoring where they they scored the, the clear shot. So it was a certain style of boxing, sort of a fencing style. What 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 had worked well. And then nowadays you've got the amateurs being three threes. They don't wear head guards. It's more like professional boxing, just short around. So the transition's not that different for them. Kids turning and pro now really lucky that they're not doing anything different. They're just doing more rounds. If anything, the pace slows, so it, it becomes slightly easier. The start of the pro game is slightly easier than the top level amateur game. If that makes sense. So yeah, not a bad transition at all. Now it just depends on the speed you move. But back then, as I say, it was sort of four twos fencing. You know, point score and and I feel I adjusted my style to really suit the amateurs. I had really really good results and um, a very successful amateur career. But I think it was down to the fact that I modified my style, where I was always start quick, I was always try and get a lead, and I always felt it was it was a lot easier boxing on the back foot with a lead, making your opponent chase you a bit, and you know when he's getting a bit desperate because he's behind and he starts throwing from out of range, making him miss and making him pay. I think that sort of really suited me down to the ground and. I had really good success in the amateur career down to that. Well, obviously, how difficult did you find it growing up then? Obviously, you're in a boxing family. <laughs> your, dad's, your dad's obviously bang into it as well. Um, yeah. How did you find it being away from everyone? So, obviously, your mates would go out and your mates are doing different things and you're in the yeah. gym constantly, constantly. Obviously, girls and everything when you're a teenager. And how hard was that for you? I found it... Um, not so bad early days, you know, when everyone started going out and like, you know, people start the usual, the drinking on the street when I was about 15-ish, something like that. Um, I've never, ever got peer pressure. I had a good group of mates and most of my mates sort of boxed with me and knew mm. how good I was. I was always in the England team. I, I, I was national champion from my first year boxing. Um, I won like nine national titles. So I was always sort of national champion, always boxed for England. It was always important to me, so... I never ever got peer pressure of like having a drink. It was always sort of like, um, you know, we're gonna have a lot of drink tonight, but it's fifty can. Like they, they just left me alone and sort of never peer pressured me. They always knew I had fights coming up for England or championships or whatever it may be. So really lucky I had a good group of mates in that way where they never sort of peer pressured me or tried to force me into anything, which was good. So it didn't bother me. Um, when I got a bit older, um, like seventeen ish. You know, I got I I'd got met me my girl who's my wife now, do you know what I mean? And when I f- we first got together, you know, like the usual you start going out for little meals and stuff, you're the yeah. kids really. And when I started going away, it was, it was four four days every week in Sheffield and spending time away all the time. I think I got a little bit of a you know, fear that I was missing out on things and you know, and me mates started sort of the going out things then like they were going on nights out, seventeen, eighteen and stuff and I think then I felt a little bit more of the like the fear of missing out. I think yeah. I thought then a lot. I was getting a bit homesick then because I felt like that was a, a, a time everyone everyone remembers in the life when the mates all start going out and stuff. And the fact that I couldn't do that as often did probably get to me a bit more than it should because I look back now and just I think not not I've got no regrets. But if I could start my career again, the biggest thing I always say I say it to young kids, I say it to young pros, is to tell everyone. If I started my career again, I'd enjoy it more. I got mm. had some of the best times in my life traveling the world with, 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 with friends who were still friends to this day. I met some of the best people in my life and them England teams. And I traveled the world with them. And 
I just wish I enjoyed it more. I think at the time I felt like it was a it was a chore and it was a job and I had to always make weight, which I never enjoyed making weight. It's tough for anyone. But if I went back and done it again, I'd enjoy it more because some of the best times of your life have seen a lot of the world. Thanks to thanks to boxing, really. Yeah, and obviously you're talking, you travelled the world. You picked up the Commonwealth gold medal in Melbourne. Yeah. Was that is that sort of when you knew that it was that's what you wanted and you wanted to take it from there? No, I knew I knew very young. I knew very early I was going to be a professional boxer. Um, yeah. I went through senior school. As I say, my first year boxing, I was national champion. And I thought, then I'm going to must be good at this. And hmm. I was boxing. I had my 13th birthday. I was in Moscow boxing for England. Or my 14th birthday, I think it was, something like that. And um, it was important. I was on my own. Obviously, it was a schoolboy. So none of my parents were with me. Or not, and I was in Moscow, 10 and 14, boxing for England. So I knew at that sort of stage it was important. Right. And I was at the conference. I was going to be a, going to be a, a boxer, and I remember going through school, and I had the teacher, and he used to always say to me, like, because I was bright in school, I done A level maths, A level physics, and A level PE, and um, my physics teacher used to always go after me and say, "Sport will never pay your bills, lad. Like, get your work done." And he was just laughing, just say, "Whatever, I know I'm going to be a boxer anyway." And he used to say to me, "Get your work done. Sport will never pay your bills." And I was thinking, "Whatever, I will see." And I always had that attitude. I knew I'd, 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 I'd box and I knew I'd be successful. I just didn't know how successful or whether I'd do this or whether I'd do that. That was always sort of down to me. And, you know, if it was ever going to come down to effort, then I knew I'd never let myself down. I love hearing stories like that, you know, because it's boss when you yeah. can throw it back in the face, isn't it? It is. And you know what? The funny thing is, I was there, I left school and, uh, no, 20. At 20, I won the gold medal in the Commonwealth Games and, I went back into school and showed me medal off in the assembly and he was there getting pictures with me and again I turned pro and I won a British and Commonwealth title and went back in with my belt and he was there getting pictures with me. I was just sort of looking at the corner of me, I think you definitely told me I wouldn't do this, you know what I mean, but I wouldn't be cheeky enough or disrespectful enough to say anything to him, but I was definitely thinking it. Just, I weren't going to ask you this, but I'm going to ask you anyway, because obviously you've just mentioned that. Um, do you find that there's a lot of that over your career with the success? Do you find that you get people that a more like a sheep they'll follow you and then how how lonely is it when you get beat let's say um do you know what it's tough and um again i've just i've just sort of been speaking about that not long but we're having something to eat with me a um, couple of couple of friends and we were talking about the highs in boxing are unreal and the lows are really low and i was saying about like times when i had my first loss and i didn't want to go out the house I didn't know, be professional losses, didn't want to leave the house. And so to say, my wife was sort of like telling me to from the shop. Never get to the time. And I was like, well, go and get it. And I always go to the shop for stuff like that. You know what I mean? And she was like, stay, come on. And she knew I just didn't want to go out the house. So the, the lows are really low. But, you know, back to the question what you're asking in terms of the sheet, like sort of sheet mentality. It's a weird feeling because when you walk in the ring, so like you're boxing in the Echo Arena, you used to look at the crowd. If you went across, like, say, selected 10 people, all 10 people will be clapping you. Out of them 10, three probably want you to win. Three probably don't want you to win. And the other four probably don't really care. Do you know what I mean? It's just a, it's a weird sort of feeling you get from people. You know when people are genuinely happy for you. You know when people are just saying it because you sort of see them face to face. So it's weird, but it's, a, it, it's like that in boxing. It's a very fickle sport. You can you can be the best thing in the world. You can go and win a world title and be unbelievable. And then you have a bad performance and you're, you're awful. We've seen it recently with Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury's heavyweight champion of the world. 
unbelievable fighter, been on a crazy journey out of sport and come back into the sport and he's won the heavyweight title again. Amazing achievement. Um, as a poor performance against Francis Ngannou, who's an MMA fighter, and he's awful now. People have mentioned Tyson Fury now and they go, he's terrible. He couldn't beat the MMA fighter and stuff. And It's crazy, but that's the world we live in. That's the, how fickle boxing is. And it's a tough sport to be a part of for that reason because, you know, it's not... It's not remembered that we're all human and we can all have a bad day. You know, everyone in the world has a bad day at work. They go into work and they don't feel themselves. You know, they don't feel up to it. They don't feel good. They've had a bad night's sleep. Anything like that can happen. But when it's boxing, it's not allowed to happen. You know, you're not allowed to have a bad night's sleep and not perform. Or you're not allowed to just not be yourself. Some days you're just not at it. Sometimes you like leave it in the gym and you get in the ring and you think, wow, what's wrong with me? You're mm. tired really and you're tall so you don't feel as good as you do. Your stomach's a bit, a bit, a bit off. Anything like that can happen. We're only human, but he just doesn't get forgiven in boxing. No, definitely not. Well, mm. when you turn pro, obviously 32 fights, and for anyone who hasn't stepped in the ring before, that, that's a lot of fights professionally, let's be honest. And mm. four losses, which is no embarrassment to anyone. Four losses out of 32 fights, especially 28 wins, 15 knockouts. Um, we're going to talk about one fight. Well, it'll probably stick with everyone's memory and probably your memory when you look back at pitches, the Vargas one. Um, yeah. Obviously, unbelievable fights throughout your career. But every time I think about it, I think back to that and it fucking gives me nightmares, I'll be honest. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Um, I, as I say, I only lost four times. I lost the four world champions. So I've got no exactly. shame in, in my losses. You know what I mean? The only people that beat me were champions of the world. So... I can I can live with that. I can put my head on my pillow and I can sleep and know yeah. that you know I only lost to the best and I'm okay with that. And it's still here. Don't get me wrong. I probably grab my eyes every time. And that's just because you know I'm, I'm I wasn't born wanting to lose. I'm a winner and I've got that mentality. I'll always give up and I've got to win. I give up and I've got in the gym to be in the best shape possible to win. And that fight was a weird one because I'm fighting in Vegas and finally got there. I've always wanted to fight in Vegas. It was a dream from a kid and. I'm fighting in the Mandalay Bay and it's all sort of, I've got myself in really good shape and I'm ready to go. And round two in the fight, he just sort of, it wasn't a butt, but he banged heads through the side of my head and I could just hear like a bum, 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 just throbbing me. And I was thinking, something's not right here. And every time I sat down in the corner, um, my brother Paul was putting an ice pack on me and just pressing it on me. And I can't really hear him in my right ear. So I was just sort of lip reading my corner, just thinking I'm, Something's not right here. I, I, I don't know what's going on. And then the fight went on and kept kept going on. And then it happened again in like round nine and bang it to me again. I was like, oh, same here. And um, the referee just said time. So I was like, this must be bad here because if he's going to be, it looks like he's taking me to the doctor. He's called time on the fight. If, he, if he's taking me to the doctor, it must be swelling worse than mm. him. Obviously, I couldn't see me on here, so I didn't know how bad it was. And then I turned and looked at my corner. I remember seeing Joe in the corner with his hands on his head. And I was like, this must be bad. So I looked up at the big screen in the arena. Oh. And I could see me ear hanging off. And I was like, <laughs> Nightmare. So I got the doctor and he was just straight away, like, fight's done, get him to hospital. So I walked back the corner and you know, the Americans are over the top. As I got back the corner, yeah. there was a fella standing there with a roll of tape and he's going, hold still, man, your ear's going to fall off. And I was like... <laughs> What are you doing with that? And he went, I'm going to take your ear on. I was like, mate, you're not putting that tape near my head. It's like, not a chance. I just got out the room and worked out. A crazy, crazy memory for me. But I just, 
I, I don't know. I beat myself up that night. I remember sitting in the ambulance and um, my dad was in the ambulance with me, and I was I, that was a proper low point in my career. I was just thinking, how has this happened to me? Mm. Like, I'm a big believer. You need to, you need to, you know a big slice of luck in sports yeah. anyway, and luck and go for you or against you or whatever. And I just felt like I had a, I had a, quite a lot of a bad luck in my career with incidents like that, stuff like that happening where. You know, I've never, I've never watched a fight and seen someone leave the ring with their ear hanging off due to a oh. clash of it. You know what I mean? It's never happened and before or since, and then it happens to me. And I was like, how oh, has this happened to me? Do you know what I mean? But, you know, on the flip side, it was sort of an experience. <laughs> what I learned a lot from, I learned a lot about myself and I learned a lot, you know, in terms of how to pick yourself back up and how to deal with, with things that sort of out, out of your control. Do you know what I mean? And I've actually got funny memories of it now because I was, I think I stayed awake for about two or three days because I couldn't sleep. I kept having visions of me being on the pillow when I woke up and Aww. stuff, so I couldn't sleep. So I remember going, I said, going to the hospital and my wife always comes everywhere to box, but she never goes to the arena. She doesn't like watching boxing, so she stays in the hotel. So I'm obviously in, the, in getting on the way to the hospital or whatever. And I said to me, brother, you're going to have to let Jade know. And he said he phoned her. <laughs> And he said, Jay, listen, you're going to have to go to the hospital. And she was like, well, what's happened? What's going on? And he was like, he's fine. He's just got a little cut on his ear. He'll have to go <laughs> to the hospital. So bless her, she turns up with like me getting me a stitch back on, you know what I mean? It was a bit of a, um, a surreal experience for her as well. But it was um, it was something that will always stick in my head. And a funny thing about it, I remember getting back to the hotel after the night. They stitched me up and stuff. And it was a crazy night in the hospital. There was people getting wheeled in dead who'd been shot dead and stuff. And I was thinking quite quite quick like you know what i've got to think of the bright side here there's people yeah. dead in the back next to me and stuff and you know i've got to cut me like whatever i'm going back home healthy to my kids so i try and see the bright side pretty quickly and got back to my hotel and i got my phone out and i had like something like three and a half thousand inbox messages on instagram like um so many thousands and i was like wow, I've never seen nothing like this. And as I opened my phone, I was on my phone through, I never slept. I was mm. on the phone through the night, just chat, and it was just constantly like pictures and pictures I was tagged in of, of like the fight and me and all different languages, you not know, just saying like wow and stuff. Cause again, it was quite surreal for people to see on the telly. And I probably got more exposure from that fight than any other of me fights put together. And it was <laughs> me, me and Ellie coming off, which is not a very good sign of my career, but it was a, it was a, it was a mad night. It was a weird one. But do you look back at it now and you think, obviously, you've, you've got you've gone through, obviously, the amateurs winning the ABAs, Commonwealths, WBCs, and then yeah. get to them moments. And like you said, the slice of luck, it just doesn't go your way. But can you say, can you put your hand on your heart and look back and say you've done everything you could and, you know, you, yeah. you fought your heart out and you left it all in there? Yeah. yeah and if I couldn't, I, I, I'm, I'm one of them people, I, I'm, a, I'm a big overthinker anyway. I think I'd really struggle with with knowing like regrets and stuff that if I didn't, but anyone who ever shared the gym with me, anyone who ever shared the ring with me as well, I'll know. You know, I'm I I, I give it everything I had. Um preparation wise for every fight, I walked the ring knowing that I couldn't have done any more. And mm. I tell my own fighters now, if you, if if you walk that ring with any doubts, it will play on your mind when you're stepping in them ropes. If you've got to be able to look across that ring and think you haven't trained harder than me, you're not in better shape than me and it's a good positive to know, and I always felt that way. I never ever got in the ring and thought, if this is a high pace, I might struggle. Or, yeah. 
what have you outlast me? I never ever thought that me, me, me opponent was going to be fitter than me. And it was a good mentality to have because I knew I couldn't have changed any harder than what, what I did in, in preparation for my fight. So that was always a good thing. And that sort of brought me back to my amateurs because I give everything I had in the amateurs and I, I had a lot of success. And knowing that in my own head was sort of a blueprint for me in the pros to know that it was going to be the same thing if anything it was just going to be tougher because it was it was longer rounds and it was 12 rounds but I had every confidence that I could outlast my opponent Well, there's a lot of politics in boxing isn't there and more now I'd say it's, it's gone really bad now if you ask me and that's yeah. just as a neutral and as a fan um, you had a little bit of a thing with Eddie Ern and Frank Warren which yeah. is a bit of a nightmare for obviously both for both sides Um what was the reason for wanting to go to Matchroom? Was it because of the boom from Matchroom? Because I, I think at the time it was just taking everything to another level, wasn't it? Um, no, to be honest with you, at the time I I, I switched across. It was uh, my first fight for Matchroom was Frock Rose one, so it wasn't even like it hadn't took off the way the way it had. It was probably quite quite quick to get across the Matchroom, but um, yeah. it was more it was more me personally. You know, I probably can't go into the details too much because of the the, yeah. the call but I had, but. You know, I, I went to court against, you know, Warren and stuff who was managing me at the time because I felt mismanaged and went to court. And then obviously Eddie was in, it was a bit of a, this was a surreal court case over the, the two days I was there. And mm-hmm. it, it was a surreal experience because again, I'd never been in a court or not like that. And it was, mm-hmm. it was, it was something, it was very eye opening for me, but you know, it went well for me and, 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 you know, my career, my career progress from from then onwards, but um, it was just more more down to personal reasons, and then my career progress with, with Eddie and afterwards, and you know, I was I never regretted my decision. You know, Eddie was always always fair with me. He he told me what he was going to try and do, tried, and if it worked, it worked, and if if it didn't, I always knew where to stood type of thing, and that was um that was what I wanted in my career really. I wanted to know a plan, a route, and give it everything I had to get there, and. Again, it wasn't sort of down to opportunities why I didn't get as far as I could. It was just, again, I, I feel it was a little bit of lucky than there and sometimes I wasn't good enough on the night, so I can live with that. Yeah, I th- I've spoke to a few people about the Warren situation and I think um, he likes to pay his fighters in very payments. <laughs> so we won't yeah, get into you know that. What? Again, not with, with, with me. Listen, I make no secret of it. It was just sort of, when I, when I had my first loss, I wasn't happy with the with with, with the time frames of being paid and stuff like that, and there was other things that went on with me again, so, which I I sort of spoke up about and and made me point of of moving away from my contract, and that 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 happened, and you know the success I had speaks speaks enough really for for everything I've got to say, and yeah, I think I made the right move in terms of um, match room because again at the time it was it was a brand which was growing, it was becoming bigger and bigger, and. My first fight was as, as I say, Frock Groves won. Um, what a night! I then, yeah, I then had another another fight. I think I fought in like in Leeds on a on a build down there with Josh Warrington, who, who sells hundreds of tickets, I'm saying, thousands of tickets himself. You know, massive ticket seller, and that was a great experience for me as well. And you know, I ended up fighting for for the world title in in, in the states, which was which was big. Um, I fought for a world title in Monte Carlo again, another. Another another experience. Well, I'll never forget. Uh, I got to fight in Vegas. Um, just a lot, a lot, a lot of good memories. Well, there was all sorts of box boxes ticked for me, and it was good to be. Um, most importantly for me in my career, it was it, it was good to be a part of a, a sort of history making set of brothers, which 
you know, I've loved every part of it and I'm so grateful that I've had my brothers throughout my career because as well as being the, the biggest supporters and biggest fans to me, you know, they've always been sort of a, a rolling example for me. So I couldn't thank them enough. Yeah, I mean, talking about that, obviously, well, I was going to speak, obviously, about your brothers as well. I've yeah. recorded with Paul in the past. He's a brilliant fella. And I, I remember going over memories with Dodson and everything from the um, the younger yeah. days. Um, it was, it was the guy from Kirby. That I always forget. Quigley. Quigley. Yeah. watching that in the Echo Arena. Fucking mad night. <laughs> um, you fought three times after the Vargas fight. Yeah. Why did you stop? COVID. Three wins yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I won my last three fights. I got, I got over the injury and stuff, and I was back in the gym. I was training. I was fit, and I got three sorts of fights. Got three wins, and I was sort of ready for another opportunity. Really, I wanted to go and win a world title, and that was always the ambition. And COVID sort of happened, and boxing stopped. And I thought, I'm, I was 33, 34, and I thought it's the wrong time of life to be having a year out the ring. In your twenties, yeah. not a problem. You you you're gonna have a year away. You come back and everything's still the same, and it just wasn't right for me. And especially being a super featherweight, I thought not right. And I remember just lying there, I was in bed with my wife, and I said, "No, what? Well, I'm, I'm gonna retire." And she was a bit like, "Where's this come from?" And I said, "I think with boxing stopping, it's not right for me to be sitting out the ring. I think I'm gonna sort of start accepting it in my own mind that I, I, I might be retired." And she was just like, "Okay, whatever you say, type of thing." But I don't think she believed me. And then, as time went by, a year out the ring, come and went, and then in in the November, and then it was like the following April, May, and I was thinking, nah, I'm definitely done now. And then when it got to 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 the June, like the anniversary of my debut, I thought, you know what, I'm fed up of getting messages. Everyone was messaging me, when are you fighting? When are you fighting? When are you fighting? And I thought, you know what, out of respect for people who have who have paid their hands, had money to go and watch me in the past and stuff, and they're asking me questions, I thought I just let everyone know now and. I announced on the anniversary of my debut that I'm actually retired and I was overwhelmed by the messages I got. I got a lot of really, really nice messages which which meant a lot to me and I think it sort of sat well with me that you know what? I, I did I did make a lasting impression on a lot of people and that, that 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 means a lot to me and I think again I knew I'd give it everything so I was okay with it and it was a sad day of course. I still miss boxing now but now that I'm coaching, I think it's it's the next best thing for me, and I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, well, obviously, part of a massively successful family, um, and brilliant brothers and brilliant lads as well. First and foremost, um, how do you see Liam and Callum's next couple of years? Because I've seen Callum looks in unbelievable shape, and Liam's yeah. just had that. I can't even explain the last fight against yeah, um, I Eubank. I, I was so gutted, you know. Because the first yeah. fight, everyone was so so happy that he knocked him out. Yeah, he was flying first time rounds, and it was it was it was such a good night. It was one of my favourite nights in boxing, aside from you know anything I've been through myself. It was one of my favourite nights just because I had my son there with me watching it, yeah. and he absolutely loved it, and the atmosphere was unreal. You know what I mean? Everyone got behind him for it, and you know this time rounds, everyone cleared as day. Everyone could see it wasn't Liam in the ring. You know what yeah. I mean? He, just, he had so many injuries and. You know, he was sort of like contracted to make that make make that date, and because he pulled out the one before and with, with with genuine injuries, he sent the scans off and stuff, and they agreed. They seen the injuries he had; it was legit. And then, you know, got to the second time round, and he had no business being in the ring that night. He, he was never ready, and mm. people seen it in the performance, unfortunately. And Liam's got to live with it, 
he give it a, listen, he give it everything he had. Liam's Liam, you know, he was never pulling out of a fight, especially a fella who he's, he's wiped the floor with first time round. So, you know, it's it's one of them you live and you learn and hopefully as I say he can um he can get back back in the gym, he can he can put it right, he can go and put a performance in and make people sit up and take notice again because, you know, he's been an unbelievable fighter you know, throughout his career. He's he's had won won, won world titles, he's been in the ring with the very best in the world. He's he's beat some top, top names and He's been some journey to to follow. Never mind be his brother. So, I'm I'm so proud of him. But I I do believe you know he'll be back and he'll 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 put be a name on people's lips again when he when he starts performing. He shows what he can still do. When's when's he wanting to get back in? Him soon as really. You know he's had to obviously rest his injuries. Yeah. Um, you know his ankles getting there now. His back's good. So he's in a position where he can get in get in the gym now. Start um, working on his fitness. Get himself back in good shape, and then he can see what's about. You know, there's a, he's still a big name, and yeah. there's still ample opportunities for him as well. You know, he's been on the phone already, and he's had some, some really. You know, it's going to be good when when, when people hear the 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 opportunities that have been put his way. So, I don't think he's the type of kid to come back and be in a, a sort of a takeover or not. And that's yeah. not Liam. He, he's a, he's a proper fighting lad, and he'll, he'll come back in a big fight and. You know, hopefully he can um, can show people what he can do, and he'll he'll be a name on people's lips again when he performs. How how worried were you as as brothers, but also he's a like mates as well, aren't you? But how yeah. worried were you going into the second fight, knowing the condition that he was in? I hated it to be honest with you, and sometimes it's hard because you get an interview and you've got to put a front on, you've got to sort yeah. of you can't go in and say we're not happy about this happening because mm. like you bank with open his hands together, you know what I mean, and going with a, with, with a load of confidence when. I know he got on that ring very weary and very scared because of what happened beforehand, yeah. and he overcome a lot of demons in there. And you know, listen, every kid to him, and you know, he's got to wish him well and say well done to to the performance he put in. But on the same hand, you know, even he knows himself that wasn't Liam in that ring. But yeah. he can only beat what's in front here, as you say. So, you know, well done to him. He overcome a few demons, and he, he you know, he put up a performance in of of a, of a good note for for himself. But it was a hard watch for. The family, you know, from the very first bell, it was probably the longest night I've had in boxing and mm. hated every second of it. And knowing it wasn't Liam and knowing he was just basically a sitting duck, to be honest with you, he couldn't, he didn't have no legs underneath him to, to close the gap, to let his shots go. And painful, painful watch. And it was one of them. I'd never, I'll never watch it back. I still haven't watched that fight back and I'll never watch that fight back. No, I don't think any scouts will, let's be honest. Um, well, Callum's got a huge fight coming up, hasn't he? It's yeah. Well, he's got a chance to make history as well. Um, how's he looking? He looks really good. Um, you know, he's very early days in his camp, but he was absolutely flying for for the fight in August, and unfortunately, better be I've got a, a jaw infection or whatever it was, and he had to pull out and postpone until January, which was gutting, absolutely gutting for yeah. for us as a family, but more so for Callum. You know, he was. Right off for the fight, and you know, as I say, it was a, it was bad news when he pulls out, and especially with it being January. So, it's one of them, you know. He's just himself down. He's had a break. He went on Aldi with his, you know, with his with his girl and his kids, and enjoyed some downtime. And then he's back now, and as I say, we're, we're, we've put a week's work in here now, and he's getting a good base to, to go off. And you know, he, he's looking good anyway, and is he's, he's mentally in a really good place, and he he's bang up for this. Good, good. I'm looking forward to seeing him back in there. Um, yeah. I won't leave Paul out because I don't want him to get a cob on. <laughs> but yeah. he's doing his own thing now, and obviously he's he's managing now. Um, yeah. 
how are you finding him being in that side of things, being around him? Do you know what? He's, um, it's good that he's involved in the sport, A, because it keeps him busy, gives him a bit of a routine and, you know, things to do. But, but B, I think that side of things suits Paul, you know, the management side. He's 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 one of them people where he, he's got a very, very good knowledge of the sport and he will yeah. help and guide a lot of fighters and, and you know, especially like young up-and-coming fighters. He knows because he's been through a lot of the pitfalls, what, what I have myself and... It's not nice. Like boxing's a, boxing's a tough, the toughest sport in the world, in my opinion. But it's a rough sport outside the ropes as well. There's a lot of things that go on in the back and arm, which is not nice, and it's not the nicest of the sport in that way. So Paul can look after people in that in in that sense, and he knows what to look out for, and he'll be a good a good a good guy with his own experience for for people. And again, it gives him something to to keep busy with himself. So you know, we're happy. Good, and obviously you're coaching now. Um, yeah. How are you finding that? How are you finding the transition from actually fighting to coaching? The ne- the next best thing, you know, I miss boxing mad, and I was struggling with it to be honest with you. After I retired, um, very very lucky having having you know my wife support me type of thing because you know she's seen me being lost and yeah. I heard this a lot, but you know I wasn't I wasn't depressed because I wouldn't I wouldn't disrespect people who are seriously depressed. You know I wouldn't I wouldn't put myself in that bracket because you know I was happy as a person in my family life, but I was lost. That was the right way. I just had no sort of no sort of feeling like I fit in anywhere. I went to the gym to see my brothers and check they were okay, but I wasn't training because I didn't want to be fit. Because if I was fit, I'd box again, and I knew I couldn't. I'm 38 now, so I was lost for a while, and I feel coaching is what I was meant to be doing and I've started now and I really really enjoy it you know I've, I've started my coaching career with the kid who's ABA champion in Steve Clark and everything I ask the kid he does and he's he's looking at me with open eyes and open ears and he's he's a pleasure to coach so that in itself is sort of giving me a, a new purpose now to go to the gym and I want to be the best I want to be the best for him I want to be the best for my fighters and I don't want them to ever feel let down by the coach so if I can put into coaching what I put into boxing, then I'm very, very sure I'll be successful. Yeah, good luck, mate. Good luck. Um, last you, last thing I want to talk about is uh, a big side there, the, um, the misfits, uh, all this nonsense that's going on. Um, obviously, you've, you've touched on Tyson Fury and Ngannou, which is, I'd say, a little bit different in terms of what I want to get to. But the YouTube side of things, I don't think anyone who hasn't boxed and dangerously for my little lad especially because he's watching he's wanting to watch KSI fight fucking anyone yeah. but I don't think they realise how dangerous this is do they so no definitely it, not it, and it's, it's, scary. My, my, it's a really scary proposition yeah my outlook on the, on, on the game is listen if it's done right and anyone wants to try boxing then good luck to them and I've got no problem with, with two people both being trained up it's a bit like the white collar thing in the amateurs you know yeah. two people go away and they train they prepare accordingly then why not let them get in the ring and have a fight that, that's fine but it's when these people are coming in and they're calling out the best in the world. So like mm-hmm. people are coming in thinking it wasn't a fight with Floyd Mayweather. Like I couldn't sit here now and call out Floyd Mayweather and get a fight. It doesn't work that way. But because they've got a lot of subscribers and a lot of followers, do you think that that warrants them a fight? In, in, in you know, and I think the only way it's going to end is if one of them gets it because some of these lads can fight. By the way, listen, Jake Paul. Jake Paul's a sort of a YouTuber and all that, but but I'm telling you now he can fight. He can shape up well, and he, he he's, he's not bad. Listen, he's not he's not Mayweather, but you know he 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 knows his way around the ring, and he's getting better. He's improving compared to a lot of these YouTubers. A lot of them are sort of can't fight, and I think that's going to be when it comes across. We have one of them who can fight a bit, who can hold their own, 
like say with Jake Paul gets in with someone who's just basically got millions of followers but can't fight. I think one of them are going to get hurt and then it'll be sort of frowned upon a little bit more than what than what it is. But for my own sort of personal preference, I don't mind it. I think good luck to them. Go and do it. It gets more eyes on the sport, then it can only be beneficial. But I just hope the you know they the, the stay safe because no one wants to see anyone get hurt in the sport, and I think that's running a, a massive risk of it happening. So. Again, as long as the safety is paramount, then good luck to them. Yeah, so the MMA crossover, you've got someone in your gym now. Um, obviously, Dan yeah. until training from Rotunda now, and he looks like he's probably mentally more so, I'd say, looking at him now. He looks mentally in a miles better place yeah. than he has been for a few years. How's he getting yeah. on? Dan's great. Listen, his work ethic's unbelievable. I think he he, he, he puts the time in, so he deserves what he, what he, what he gets for, from it. And... You know, he's improving all the time. Listen, Darren come off first and he had a bit of naivety about him when I watched him sparring for the first time and he was just sort of a bit bullish and was walking someone down and wasn't really bothered about what was coming at him. And I remember having a little conversation with him, like, listen, don't be too brave in boxing. Like, avoid the punches. Usually, then set it up and stuff. And then, and I'm not taking any credit for it, by the way, but I remember trying to give him a bit of advice, you know what I mean? Just like, don't, don't, it's not about how brave you are and how many shots you can take, you know what I mean? And, I remember being out the gym for a while and I come back in matter of a couple of months later and I watched him spar and I was gobsmacked by how much he's come on. Like, couldn't believe how much he's improved to the point where I went over to him and I said, wow, Dan, hats off to you, mate. Like, you, you've, you've come on a bomb. Um, setting things up and avoiding punches and stuff and not being bullish and brave, being clever and smart and, and, and I was really impressed with him and I said to him, do you know what? got to give credit where it's due. I think, you know, you're learning all the time and it's good to see fighters who do look, listen and, and put it into practice. And to be fair to him, as I say, he's he's been known for a lot of the wrong reasons at the times that and where he's a bit outspoken and stuff. But I see him in the gym and he's, he's really putting it in. And I think he's um, he deserves every success he has when, when you work as hard as he does. And, you know, and when he goes back over to MMA, which I, I, I fully expect to happen, yeah. Is it going to make him a much more dangerous fighter because of the boxing skills and everything that he's laying in the thunder? If he does, if that's what he chooses to do, then of course it will. It's only adding to his, 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 his striking game in the MMA. But I think he um, he wants to sort of make a career in boxing now. And you know, if that's what he does, the more he improves, the better he gets. He's going to have, have success in it because, put it this way, mate, you put him into that misfit market, he, he walks straight in it now and he, he does well and he has, he has really good success in it. Um, yeah. And Telling you that, telling you that now, definitely. I've seen some of these, the calibre of opponents in this, this misfits with these YouTubers, and maybe more than all to zone already in that. So, if he can go in and 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 throw himself right in amongst, you know, with all, all the likes of these Jake Pauls and stuff, I'd, I'd put my money on Zaden with any of them. Yeah, good. Okay, Stephen, I won't keep you any longer, mate. I know you. <laughs> I know you're on a bit of a camp yourself, and you're in your way. Um, thanks yeah. very much for your time. First of no all, problem, mate. problem. Really enjoyed it, mate. Thank you. Really appreciate it and good luck with the coaching, mate, and good luck with the Thanks rest of your career. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks to everyone for listening in to today's podcast and thank you to our amazing guests. Without them, this wouldn't be possible. Don't forget to follow us on social media, twitter.com forward slash the road end pod and on Instagram, Instagram slash the road end pod.